Welcome to Horror Struck. What's up, horror fans? Welcome back to Horror Struck, a horror commentary podcast where we look at the genre through the lens of a diehard fan and of a scaredy cat. I am Riley Ott. I am joined by my co-host and best friend, Cecilia Dalbert. This week, we took a look at the 2008 film, Lake Mungo, directed by Joel Anderson. Spoiler warning for Lake Mungo. There will be many spoilers. We will spoil you. Ooh, that's new. That was my favorite thing from Headful of Ghosts. They would do the chapter where it was her, like, blog, and she'd be like, I will spoil you. Oh my god, did you love it? I really liked it. Every time you said anything about it, I was like, if I respond at all, I'm gonna spoil the entire thing, because there's such a good twist. Yeah, I thought it was so well-paced. I was very invested in figuring out what was going on. I guess I'm gonna go ahead and do a spoiler warning for the book Headful of Ghosts, so if you're interested in reading this horror book, I would recommend skipping ahead a couple minutes because I want to talk about it. So what are your opinions? Do you think her sister was actually possessed? I mean, as a diehard skeptic, no, I don't. I think the family definitely had some sort of history of mental illness and there was some weird shit going on. I agree. But I don't know because you kept pointing out when you would talk about it, how would she just fucking Spider-Man crawl up the wall? How was she strong enough to, oh my god, this is the scene that got me when they're doing the exorcism and she bites the dude and the skin rips like from his finger up his forearm i almost threw up for those of you who are still listening and don't care about being spoiled the book is essentially a girl looking back on something that happened in her childhood which is essentially her sister became quote-unquote possessed and the family ended up bringing in a tv crew and they made a tv show after the TV show wrapped. Everyone in the family died except this girl who was telling the story. And then at the very end, you find out that the sister who was possessed convinced the younger sister, Mary, that their father was going to try to kill them. So she should put, what was the poison? Potassium? Potassium chloride, I think. I'm not a scientist. That could be wrong. I think it's essentially like arsenic that she convinced her younger sister to put a little bit into the sauce that it wouldn't kill them. And it definitely did. And her sister definitely knew it was gonna happen it's just so good well and you and i both said i said to my friend maddie who had recommended and you said to me that it was very reminiscent of we have always lived in the castle the shirley jackson novel and i do think that was intentional just looking at the characters names like mary in this and then mary cat in that i was like that has to be a nod to this book oh it has to be i forgot their names were that because i almost just called her mary cat and i was like wait no no no, that's a different character who also put poisoned her whole family, but much more intentionally. Yeah, I really liked it though. I liked that they had some chapters where she was telling the person who was writing the book like she was telling her stuff. I like that they went into like her blog where she was like a complete skeptic Mm -hmm. and she just talked about the show. Right, like it was almost three different perspectives on it, which I really liked as well. I don't know how I feel about if her sister Marjorie was actually possessed or not because I went back and forth a lot. Mm -hmm. But I don't really think that's the point. No, I don't think you need an answer to that to enjoy it. Yeah. I think whatever answer you come up with, 
but this is the right one. Yeah, I think it could be definitely about the toxic nature of family. Well, and the only part that made me think like, oh, maybe she is possessed. She had this conversation. She's like, our family's poor. I'll get these people in to do a show about our family and then we'll have money. But then she just kills them all. I'm like, okay, that sounds like something a demon would do. Let's lie to everyone and then murder them. I don't know. Yeah, the interesting thing is you could look at it as both she was possessed or she was just very, very mentally ill. Hmm. So many options. I think the girl from The Exorcist just had rabies. They probably should have tested for that. Five stars for Head Full of Ghosts. If you're looking for a book to read and you listen to the spoilers, I guess, I still recommend it. It's really well written and I really enjoyed the audiobook for it. The girl who did it sound really familiar. Like, I feel like I've listened to her reading an audiobook before, but I couldn't place it. There are a couple that, like, I know when I listen to Maureen Johnson books, Mm -hmm. basically any other YA novel is going to to have the exact same woman doing the audiobook. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, for like certain authors, I know that they're going to have the same ones. Oh, speaking of books, if you guys like horror and also like books, I post horror book recommendations on Instagram on Fridays if you want to follow us on Instagram. So, you know how you said a head full of ghosts scare the shit out of you? Mm-hmm. I actually thought The Exorcist was scarier. Yeah, I feel like most people will say that. Anytime I Google what the scariest film of all time is, it's always The Exorcist is on top of every person's list. I meant books. Well, I feel like the same because it's the same story. It's kind of common. Yeah. I have not read The Exorcist yet. It is on my list, but I'm too scared. I mean, it didn't, like, super frighten me, but I'm wondering if there is ever a book that I could read that would, like, scare the shit out of me. I should Google, like, scariest book ever. It's gonna be the Bible. Oh, it's definitely something. What have you been reading? What have you been watching? I always mean to write down what I've been doing so I don't forget when you put me on the spot. You mean the thing we do at the start of every podcast? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that. So I have a book checked out. I have not started it, but I am very excited to. It is Mongrels by Stephen Graham Jones, who wrote The Only Good Indians, which I talked about last year at some point. was one of the best books I read all of last year. Oh, I have to add that to my list. Read The only good Indians first. It was phenomenal. This is what happens if I just say I'll listen to it, but then I don't make a note. I'll just... There are no good Indians? Uh, no. <laughs> the only <laughs> the only good Indians. Oh, because it's probably like the only good Indians is a dead Indian. Oh, man. Is that what he was going for? Fuck, is that what the title means? I would assume, because right? Isn't that like a phrase, but like you can like put in whatever um marginalized people you want to? Yeah, I'm sure you could put in whatever. Sorry, yeah. I didn't mean to make it dark. Fuck. Okay, well, the author is a Native American man, so I'm sure, well, you maybe know. maybe it's supposed to probably be ironic, I would guess. But yeah, that's... That book is very good. There's actually, if you are familiar with the author already, in A Head Full of Ghosts, there is a section where they are, I think Mary goes to like talk to a doctor or something, and the doctor's name is Stephen Graham Jones, and he describes him as like an ugly short guy with bad teeth or something. I was like, that's really funny because I know these authors are friends with each other. Oh, that's funny. Yeah, I think it's actually like Mary's tutor. Yeah, it's something like that. Some sort of like teacher it's, doctor yeah, one of the or something. Characters. But apparently there's a couple nods to other authors that he's friends with during that whole part. That's fun. I'm trying to think if I've watched anything. Right now, I got uh, The Haunting of Hill House on Blu-ray because it's got extended, like, director's cuts on a couple episodes, and Mike Flanagan does commentary on a few of the episodes as well. So I've just been listening to the commentary, which is very interesting. That's cool. Oh, and you know what I watched? What? I watched the 2019 remake of Black Christmas. How was it? It was 
bad. It was oh. really bad. Well, is that the one where they try to give a bigger backstory to, like, Billy? No, Billy's not in it. Oh, what? <laughs> yeah, the 74 one and the 2006 one, that's the plot. It's just, you know, same as always. This one... <sighs> I don't even know where to begin. It's this weird supernatural sorority that's possessing guys pledging and murdering women who won't submit to them. And it's got this whole, like, super feminist vibe, but in a bad way. Oh, it's like, we're woke. The young people will love us. Yeah, where it's like, you can tell these people are just... Pandering. Kind of playing into this whole white lady, turfy feminism kind of vibe, and it's it's bad. One of the characters, the line that she introduces herself with is, Has anybody seen my diva cup? I was like, this is what we're doing today? I hate this. Okay, I have questions. Yeah. Um, besides the fact of that being a bad line, how do you... How do you... How do you lose a lose diva cup? Your diva cup. You should just probably keep it in the bathroom, I would assume. Like, girl, how crusty are you? This sounds bad. Don't just leave your diva cup laying around places. <laughs> well, it's like the same thing, like, if you were to use tampons. Like, I don't just want to have tampons laying around besides, like, ones that fall out of my purse. Like, they're just in the bathroom where you would normally need to use them. Yeah, dude. Just, like, a designated spot. Purse, bathroom, I, I don't know, like, closet, cupboard, somewhere. That's weird. The movie itself stressed me out. I really like the main actress, though, so that was a highlight. Also, what's-his-face? Carrie Elwes? Is that how you say his name? I think that's how you say his name. The Dread Pirate Roberts guy. He is in it. He plays the villain. I did not recognize him as an old man because I don't know what else I've even seen him in. Strange. He didn't play a very good villain. None of it made any sense. I hated it. But I think that's all I got. What have you been watching, reading? Started The Stranger Beside Me because I was like, as a true crime fan, why? have I never read this? I don't know what that is. It's the Ted Bundy book. It's written by Anne Rule. She was somebody who worked with Ted Bundy at a suicide prevention hotline. And once he was convicted, she wrote this book. Oh, okay. I know of her. Yeah, yeah. She's a pretty prolific true crime writer. But I went to get the audiobook, And that's when I sent you a message because I said, I don't understand what the difference is between this three hour version and this 18 hour version. That's a lot of hours. I finished all of channel zero and now i'm sad that i don't have any more to watch oh yeah you sent me a video of the the last season you were watching and it looked insane i really liked that last season i'm still not sure what it's about the first and the last season i think are probably my favorite i mean there's only four yeah the last two seasons didn't make me cry but the end of the fourth season i don't think was supposed to make you cry i mean just from context clues of videos that you sent me there's no possible way i could figure out what the plot is it's crazy because they write the show in a way that you think well there's no like i'm only on episode three there's no way this is gonna get to episode six and then like crazy shit happens and you're like oh god it sounds fun it's a lot of fun my friend nick and i we were talking about the like viral market campaign thing that they did with the one season with the stairs that kept like showing up in the middle of the woods yeah everyone i know had heard of it but i still didn't know it was even attached to that show until you and ryan talked about it last week i think you know what we both watched? 
Do you know? I'm trying to no, think. Did you don't we watch know. something together? Or did we watch it separately, but the same thing? We watched that Cruel Summer show. Oh, I love Cruel Summer. Oh my god. I really liked it. I was so surprised. I gave it a chance because I was like, well, it seems like a mystery, so maybe it'll be fun. But I'm like invested. I'm like, I need to know what happens. <laughs> Highly recommend it if you haven't watched it. Yeah, it's very good. And surprisingly, the two lead actresses are both really good. Yeah, they're really good. Yeah, I like it a lot. And I'm glad they, for the most part, look their age. Yeah, I think I looked up how old the girls were because that's always an issue for me is when teenagers look like grown adults and I'm pretty sure the girl who plays Kate is like in her 20s and I think the girl who plays Jeanette is like maybe 19 18 19 that makes sense Jeanette looks really young yeah and she was in that tell me your secrets show with Lily Rabe and she was not good in it but I don't fault her at all because that show was a train wreck it was so poorly written and her character was very weird Lauren sent me a TikTok that was about like Mungo. I thought it was really funny because I was like, I just watched it. And when I talked to Lauren last night, because I assumed that meant, oh, Lauren must have watched it. And she's like, oh yeah, Cecilia, you should watch this too. But she was like, oh, I haven't seen it. And I was like, oh, I want you to watch it so bad. Oh, maybe she sent it as like a, oh, we should all watch this. Honestly, I've seen it twice. I would watch it again. There's so much going on in this movie. It's so good. It's so good. Spoilers for what you thought of the movie. We do that at the end. Do you, do you want to talk uh, about the movie? Okay. Yeah. Should we jump into it? Yeah, let's do it. Just like Alice jumped into that lake. Or damn, I guess. Oh, Lake Mungo. until like that point where they go to Lake Mungo to realize that the name of like the reservoir wasn't Lake Mungo it's the name of like that that dry area I'm not Australian I'm American do you think they teach me anything about geography no in a previous episode I thought the capital of Nigeria was Laos I'm a moron I don't know anything the American school system has failed me the capital of Nigeria is Lagos and I do know that just so we're all clear well at least you were close no I mean, yeah, the names are similar, but, like, physically, they're not close. Well, at least you weren't just, like, the capital is Cairo. I don't know. I was like, the capital of Africa is Nigeria, because they also don't really teach us that there are other countries in Africa when we're in school. How the fuck am I supposed to know what a lake is? I like looking at the realistic map when they're like, this is probably more accurate to, like, how the land masses look. And I'm just like, whoa, we're so itty bitty. North America is front and center every single time and we're the biggest one that's what a map should look like we're so big we're so buff but only america fuck canada fuck mexico no i'm sorry you guys are probably better canada's our hat mexico's our pants okay i don't know what i'm talking about i don't know either i just went on such a weird tangent about geography i'm so sorry hey what'd you think of lake mungo the film not the lake i loved it i had watched it and then i think i recommended you to watch it and then we're like let's do it for the podcast Yeah, I'm pretty sure what happened is you sat down to watch it and told me you were watching it, and I went, oh, my sister Renee told me about this a long time, 
And I saw Mike Flanagan tweet about it, and he said it was like one of the scariest movies he'd ever seen, which my sister had also said, so I just put it out of my mind. It's like, I don't want to see something scary. I'm going to forget about this. And then we both ended up watching it separately, and we're like, let's do an episode, even though we definitely did not plan to do this. It was like that one night where you were watching, um, what's that Mike Flanagan movie with the dreams? Before I Wake. Yeah, and you're like, I'm going to watch this movie. And I was like, well, I was looking for something to watch. I guess I'll also watch this right now. Yeah, I think that's literally what happened is you text me or like sent me a Marco Polo and I was like I'll just turn it on I've got nothing to do and we both ended up watching it at the same time if you are out there and you've never seen this movie it's streaming for free right now on Amazon Prime you should watch it it's such a good concept and they do so much with so little I loved this movie I think it's one of the best ghost stories I've ever seen yeah I agree completely with everything you said I really like how it's done especially with obviously having such a low budget. I think the tension that they create throughout the entire film is done really well. It's very scary. Like, there's technically only one outright, like, jump scare, but saying this movie is not scary is just objectively not true. It is terrifying throughout. And I wonder if maybe some people who say they don't find it scary are because they don't find ghosts scary. Like, whether you believe in them or not. I guess if you didn't really find ghosts scary, like, maybe this movie really wouldn't scare you. I don't think the ghosts part of this film is what's scary, though. I think it's just that looming feeling of dread throughout the whole film and, like, facing your own mortality that's what makes it a lot scarier than a lot of movies we've watched. It's just so creepy. It's And they hardly do anything. Yeah, there's just a sense of, like, the unknown, things that are hidden. It's, like, the things that we just refuse to see and then at the end when you're faced to see all of that much like the character Alice is you're like ah I'm terrified they do a good point of that with like her parents as well being like oh they couldn't see what was right in front of them like the mom makes a point to say she's having a really hard time getting over her daughter's death because they never really knew each other and they had this sort of strained relationship and the same thing was with her own mother so it seems to be being passed down generation by generation Yeah. And there's another thing that I think they're also not seeing that's directly in front of them, but apparently we're not talking about this theory until later. I think we should talk about it at the end because I think it'll be be a lot more fun to talk about it without it and then to to go back and point out all the points. I mean, that's technically what happened when I watched the movie. I also love the theme of you never really know the person beside you. I think that plays a very pivotal part in this movie. I mean, just with Alice as a character, they figure out by the end of the movie they don't really know anything about their daughter. I think, and we'll talk about this when it comes up in the film but there is a really interesting red herring type of plot that I think is done really well and it it just seems like everything is about to wrap up. Is it the neighbors? It's yeah the neighbors. Yeah. I think they did that really really well and in finding all of this out with what happened with the neighbors it like gives these parents some sort of like optimistic look that Alice's spirit was there for a reason and that they can try to get closure but that is definitely not what happens and I think the way that they did that was very interesting yeah 
Because this film is essentially, I was trying to think of a phrase for it because I was like, mockumentary isn't right. But I saw someone online call it docufiction. And I was like, that's perfect. Some people were saying like, it's almost a found footage film, but not really. But it's not really a mockumentary. Because I feel like that makes you assume the tone is more humorous, like a Spinal Tap kind of movie. Yeah. So yeah, I like that. That's a fitting term. Especially if you've watched any sort of like ghost story show where they're talking to real people and they're talking about like the ghost happenings they experienced. It's very similar to that. It's like that mixed with a true crime documentary where essentially it is this crew that you never see but you know they're there. I think you hear the producer at some point but they're talking to this family whose daughter has tragically died. She drowned while they were swimming like at a dam like I guess in the reservoir. I also don't understand how that works. Can you swim near dams? That seems so dangerous. I swam in a quarry once and I cannot swim. I almost drowned my ex-girlfriend. So I assume, yeah, you can, but why would you want to? I'm sure the place that they, I don't remember if they say the name of it, but I'm sure it's probably a real place. My guess is it's probably like the dam is further downstream and this is like the big reservoir, like it's huge. But the docu-series movie is essentially them talking to the family, friends of the family, about Alice's passing and then the events that unfold after she passes away. So I feel like this is probably a good place to jump into the plot you had a thought yes well I just one more thing up top the acting in this film was phenomenal to the point where I had to stop and make sure these were actors and this was not an actual documentary yeah it's really good and I guess the director he literally wrote this because the film that he wanted to make he didn't have enough money to make it so he was like okay I need to make a low budget film yeah I think this works really well and I think that makes it so much creepier that there's not hardly any trivia and there's really nothing I can find about the director and he hasn't made anything else no he hasn't really done a lot which is unfortunate because this movie is so good i wonder if it's just one of those things that it's just like lightning in a bottle well it also seems like it didn't really have a lot of traction when it was coming out but now people are starting to pay attention to it just from timestamps and stuff i've seen from reviews on youtube and threads online and stuff like that yeah i mean this movie has so little trivia that there is a reviewer that i watch his name is chris stuckman yeah i watched his review as well he was like credited in the trivia on IMDb like Chris Stuckman reviewed this yeah movie. for his Halloween special I was like I know I just watched the video why are you telling me that but yeah as far as the acting goes probably the most notable thing is it's a lot like Blair Witch and the fact that they had an outline but they didn't have like written dialogue so all of the dialogue in the movie I'm sure there were like a couple lines that like were actually written but most of the dialogue in the movie is improvised and that's why it feels so natural that's so impressive Good for them. I agree. He found really, really good actors to do this. Dude, the dad especially. There were times he had me tearing up. I was like, wait, this isn't real. It feels so real though. It's crazy. Spooky. Very spooky. All right, you want to talk about the plot? Uh, The movie opens up on ghost pictures. So they look like old timey pictures with like ghosts that were hidden in the background or like ghosts that were caught on camera. And you get some really good lines that will come into play later. So you get Alice's line, which is, feel like something bad is gonna happen to me. I feel like something bad has happened. It hasn't reached me yet, but it's on its way. Oh, I can't remember. It might be her boyfriend who says it. I can't remember, but... I don't know why it's important. Like, how it helps people, like, dealing with their loss, like, making up stories about ghosts or whatever. The movie does a really good job up front introducing the major themes of the movie. 
just through like dialogue you hear over these pictures and showing you the pictures themselves. This movie tells you right up front what you should be looking for and the fact that you don't realize it until the end. It just does it so well. And I realized that going back today, I watched the first 20, 30 minutes of the movie over and just that beginning montage with all of the ghost pictures and the ghosts hidden, I was like, God, I feel like an idiot. I should have been looking for these hidden ghosts when they were showing me the pictures themselves, but they present it as if they've already found the hidden ghost and they're showing it to you. So you don't realize that you need to be looking for anything else. Yeah. Oh, they do it so well. Good job of drawing your eye away from what's actually there. Oh, I just love it. It's so good. This is such a good rewatch movie. I could rewatch this movie over and over and over again. It's so good. Yeah. And the more that I would rewatch it, the more things I could pick apart in it. I feel like we could talk about this movie for hours and still not really see what is right in front of us and what they are trying to actually like present to us because there's just so many different directions this film could go. Yeah. From the credits, we go to essentially the accident happening, which is which is something that a lot of true crime documentaries do, which is they play the call to the emergency services, which is my daughter's missing, we can't find her. So, you know, something has happened. They went to the dam for like a family day and the brother and the sister were, they're like teenagers, but they were swimming. The brother, his name is Matthew, pretty much told his sister Alice, hey, I'm gonna swim back. He swam back and she disappeared. So essentially, she probably drowned. But for being improv, there's so many good quotes in this movie, and it drove me crazy because IMDb didn't record any of them except like the one Alice one. I think the brother is the one who says, I can't remember if it's the brother, but they say one moment she was there and the next she was gone. Isn't that death? One minute you're there and another minute you're gone. I think it was the brother as well because it's very eerie knowing that he must have been the last person to see her alive. Yeah. You're swimming, you essentially swim back and you turn around and that's it. It speaks so much to how it feels to lose somebody. And they even talk about how when they finally were told to leave because the police and like the the dive team and everything they were looking, they talked about how they had to drive home with a seat that wasn't taken. It just speaks to how when you're experiencing grief and the loss of a loved one, there are so many little things that I don't think a normal person doesn't think about that they're going to have to deal with when that person is gone. Right. So the fact that anytime you go somewhere your car is full and then all of a sudden one of the seats is empty right like we're not all sitting around thinking like oh my friends and family are all going to die one day that's something i think we all try to repress we all know we're mortal and we're all gonna die but we do such a good job avoiding that topic in day-to-day life yeah it probably came as a huge shock and i think another theme that they're hitting at with this movie overall and probably with the brother here as well is just regret because i'm sure in his mind he's regretting like oh I swam out maybe if I stayed with her I could have like done something the parents are regretting not knowing the daughter as well as they should have god they do such a good job with this dialogue and hitting all this and knowing it's improvised is just insane yeah and at this point I mean as a viewer you know Alice she has to be dead she must have drowned but the family is still slightly hopeful like they never straight out say like we knew she was gone they're like hoping like the dad says I left the porch light on I remember we had the porch light on. Still two, actually, just in case. And why's that? Just in case she comes home, I guess. 
this line is maybe five minutes into the film, and it's just, you can see him tearing up. This is another thing with the performances that I really like, that if I were in this position where I am the main focus, I'm being interviewed, but it's something very emotional to me, if I know that tons of people are going to see this, I'm going to try to repress my feelings. Like, I'm not going to just be outright sobbing on TV, and I think this actor does a phenomenal job of kind of holding all of that back. He's straining just enough for what it would be like to be in one of these actual true crime documentaries. I completely agree and I think it also shows how because the accident happened in 2005 and I think that the like making of the documentary happens at least a year after. But yeah, essentially the documentary is supposed to take place sometime after the accident, enough that like they've gone through their initial grief. So I think it does a good job of displaying how, especially if you're a parent, do you ever really move on? You can watch true crime documentaries of parents who lost their kids 30 years ago and they still like, it's essentially like this performance where they're trying to hold themselves together, but it's still so raw. And then they sadly do find Alice's body. They make a big point of letting you know that it was the dad who went, it was Russell, who went and identified the body because June just couldn't bring herself to do it. And it reminds me, not that anybody likes funerals, but every funeral I've ever been to, there's been an open casket and I don't like it. That's because you're Catholic. I remember a coworker had told me this once because I was, I was complaining about open caskets and she was like, well, it's more for the family because sometimes it's really hard to accept a passing if you don't see the body body and so it's more of a way to help grief Hmm. which makes sense because it's how june becomes convinced later on that alice might still be alive because she never saw the body okay i guess it's like how people think elvis is still alive well probably not still alive anymore but yeah he'd be old well same thing with like tupac or like conspiracy theories with that yeah And then we get the terrible autopsy photos. Okay, so this didn't scare me necessarily, but it was fucking gross. It was pretty shocking. They were like, here you go. Yeah, it really comes out of nowhere. They're just showing like nice B-roll and then they're like, here's a dead body for you. That was really off-putting. Not in a bad way. I think it worked for the movie. Yeah, it's obviously there for a reason, not just to shock or gross you out. I like true crime, but I don't want to look at crime scene photos. I'll look at them like the remnants. I don't want to see bodies. Mm -hmm. I'm just... Just not interested and so when i watch stuff that has like rhyme scene photos of the bodies i'm like nope turn you off there's a oh, what is that movie i saw it with you it was from argentina i think it was one of the best movies i'd seen that like deals with that like crime stuff what the fuck was that movie called they remade it and it's american oh um it's like their eyes oh something. i know what you're talking about was it the secret in their eyes yeah, yeah yeah no you're right okay i was terrified during that movie because at the beginning they showed just like a dead bloated body on the floor which made sense in context but it scared the shit out of me that was a good movie it reminded me of this yeah the movie was phenomenal it had such a good ending i didn't watch the remake because i was just like why i heard it was bad but julia roberts is in it and i love her so i don't know i'll I'll watch another movie with her in it sorry i was just thinking about dead bloated bodies always (laughs) i mean a lot of the time but it is very important that they show you this picture of alice her body like after it was found in the lake that will come into play later oh before we move on from this scene i just want to talk about the dad and his reasoning for identifying the body he said everything in this movie is so sad so sad i thought that was my responsibility as as ellie's uh, dad you know that's what a father does 
the way that this man acts during this scene and then on, like how he's basically just repressing everything, I think the movie did a good job of talking about like this repression and closed offness that men have when dealing with grief. I thought this was just a really interesting thing that they tried to point out. That's a really good point because he definitely deals with it very differently than June does, where June is kind of letting her emotions flow. The dad is trying to, yeah, hold it together. And it's the whole thing that usually when something tragic happens, one person will fall apart and the other person feels a need to stay strong. And the mom is very clearly falling apart. There's a point where they ask her how she's grieving and she basically says there were times where she was just wandering into other people's homes in the middle of the night because she didn't want to live in her own life anymore. She just wanted to live someone else's life for a while and not deal with it. Yeah. Everything in this movie is so sad. They have Christmas without Alice. That's really sad. I think the grandma says, you know, it it was really sad, but you know, death takes everything eventually. There's so many good quotes from this movie. Then the ghosty things start happening. So they start hearing noises in the house. Um, Alice's door, I I think it keeps like, like shaking, like making noise. Like they said they got the door placed, still kept making noise. They couldn't explain it. Yeah, the mom talks about how like she started having really bad nightmares. That's when she started going on walks. The dad has like a full body apparition experience with Alice's ghost or what he thinks is Alice's ghost, which is he goes in her room and sits down and then he sees her come in. She doesn't realize he's there at first, but then as soon as he makes noise, she turns around and notices him and then like attacks him. Okay, so when I was watching this earlier, this scene where it seems like everything is normal and then she's suddenly like, get out of my room and starts yelling and kind of lunges at him. There's that video that they show later of Matthew going into Alice's room recording and the exact same thing happens. He's in her room. She's like yelling get out and kind of lunges at him. Yeah, you know like your annoying brother comes in and you're just like leave me alone. This is my room. Yeah, like get out you dumb little brat. Yeah. I really really like and I think this is the first time that it happens or that they pointed out this overlapping of timelines that they do. Yeah it's super interesting. In Washington watching Hill House again, it reminds me of how they do it with Nellie as well. I like this whole weird genre of like ghost time lapse movie. It's interesting because yeah, when you hear people talk about ghost experiences or like especially a place that is famously haunted or or is known to be haunted, they'll talk a lot about how the ghost does the same thing. It's almost like they're still in their own ritual. I've heard the theory that ghosts are just a projection of the past, like the energy is like trapped onto a place. And you're just seeing a reflection of something that's already happened, but somehow it's bleeding through. So it's very interesting. And I think what you're saying definitely comes into play at the very end. Yeah, the end with that medium and the two sessions that they had. That was really, really well done. And how they just kind of line up. Yeah, it was so well done. Uh, what other weird things happen? So uh, Matthew gets weird bruises that they can't figure out, but it's okay. They eventually go away. And then they talk about Matthew's really into photography. He does this project where he takes a photo of the backyard. He does it like once a year just to see the progression. But the most recent picture he takes of the backyard after Alice has passed has a very, very clear apparition of Alice in like a hoodie standing against the fence. And it's so eerie. Did he take the picture once a year or was it every day for a year? Either or. That's what I took it as because that sounds like a film's 
student project kind of thing that they do just have this like yeah. same setting in different contrasts like every day it doesn't matter i'm sure it sets up why he would just take a photo of the backyard mm-hmm. this is the first time they've really gotten evidence besides like the couple like noises and like russell losing his mind and they do a really good job with russell because they also interview like one of his friends and co-workers without saying he's crazy pretty much just says i don't know what was actually there i don't know what happened but i do believe that he believes he saw it mm-hmm. maybe he's just grief seeing her and that's what i thought the first time i watched it it's what i thought too he's probably very exhausted he's probably not sleeping and just sad all the time because his poor daughter is dead so his mind is just like here i'll give you an image of your daughter so you're not sad anymore yeah the mind is a very powerful thing the mind is too scary yeah i don't like to think about it sometimes i just think about the fact that like i'm like oh i got a big brain in my skull it's really weird that your brain is the one thinking that yeah it's just thinking about itself just thinking about itself yeah narcissistic asshole yeah the photo is crazy and it's not only that i don't remember his name but there's like a a random guy that you meet who was down by like the dam and he caught an image of what they all think is probably alice you could see the general outline of someone standing there in a hoodie you can't really see the details on the face but it looks like alice do you want to know the name of the guy who took the picture because i love his name yes bob smeet that's a great name he should open a meat shop and call it bob smeet's meats bob (laughs) smeet's bob's meats Oh my god, that's perfect. You want to hear a funny story? Yes. It's very short. Um, You know how, like, on Sunday I couldn't stop naming things? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, the vacuum and stuff? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was in the kitchen. I asked Michael, I'm like, what should we name our pan? I went, Peter. And I'm like, oh, Peter Pan! Oh my god. <laughs> Wait, you didn't even do it on purpose? I didn't. I was so proud of myself. That's really good. Have you named my vacuum yet? I'm gonna call him Vision, because it made me sad. Because it was in pieces. <laughs> I mean, all vacuums have the thing that comes off, right? You gotta clean them. Yeah, they all do. You're just like, I've disembodied my (laughs) vacuum cleaner. No, I had to rinse it out. It was in the sink. You have all this evidence coming forth. I saw it and it creeped me out. Like, these images were so creepy. And they're not super, like, there's not a lot of detail to them. But it's so effective. I think that's what makes it a lot creepier is these low-res photos. The more I zoom in, the more pixelated it becomes. And now my mind has just decided to start filling in all these blank spaces. And I'm making it ten times creepier than it actually is in my own head. Yeah. A lot of low-budget films, it always works to their advantage that they don't have a budget. Like Halloween specifically was one we talked about at the beginning that I think if it had been a higher budget movie, it would have sucked. And this as well. Yeah, and it's it's the same kind of concept with the biggest example is probably Jaws, where the shark was going to be in more of the movie, but because they couldn't get the animatronic to work, they had to figure out ways to not show it. One day we'll watch Jaws. Well, it's summer's coming up, so I'm definitely going to pick it as one of our summer movies. I just haven't decided when. Oh, that makes sense. This has essentially convinced June that because she didn't see the body, her daughter must be alive. So she also convinces her husband, even though Russell saw the body, he was like, she had me convinced. They exhume the body and have a DNA test taken and it's Alice. Does the mom ever actually see the body? I assume that she wouldn't. No, because it's been in the ground 
for three months at this point. And she was already like bloated and really hard to look at when the dad had to identify her. So I don't know how much closure it would have given her. No, but I think the fact that they did a DNA test so they knew for sure it was her was probably like, okay. Plus, you know what? She was already pretty bloated. So I doubt the funeral home could convince them to like put a bunch of formaldehyde in her. So I'm sure she was pretty decomposed. When my mom was, I think like a teenager, my aunt Shelly was her best friend and my aunt Shelly's boyfriend Frank or ex-boyfriend decided on her birthday to shoot himself in the head in my grandparents garage. Is there someone different who killed themselves in your dad's garage? A bunch of people have died at that house but (laughs) they for some reason still decided to have an open casket. What? And my mom went to the funeral and said that they like just put stuffing in his head and stitched it back together. And it was one of the, like, most terrifying things she'd seen. Oh, that's upsetting. Yeah, I'm just imagining that kind of scenario where she'd be seeing that it would not be the last image of a person that I would want. No, no. Anyway, that's depressing. Yeah, he came over, left her, like, a birthday present, and then killed himself. What would Taylor Swift say? You need to calm down. <laughs> oh, that was uh, probably pretty mean. <laughs> I mean... Shake it off. (laughs) Um, They do confirm that Alice is for sure dead. Something interesting happens, which is Maddie had been setting up cameras around the house because he wanted to see if he could catch anything. And he does, which is he gets a figure of what looks like Alice late at night walking across the hallway. Wait, this happens after they do the DNA test and they're like, yeah, she's for sure dead? Yep. Really? Right after this is when they meet Ray because they thought she was dead and then they're convinced by the ghost by that footage of Alice walking across the hallway that it's time to bring in a medium. Oh, okay. Because there is clearly something happening. We meet Ray, who is a medium. Let's bring in Ray. He's kind of creepy. He has a quote where he says, what happens after death is up for grabs anyway. So I like the idea that he knows that you go somewhere after death. But even as a medium, he's like, I don't really know what it is. I really like that, though, because it's implying that, like, regardless of what your religion is, whatever you believe, that's what happens when you die. So if I believe hard enough that I am going to be a ghost... I could become a ghost. Well, not to always get us on Harry Potter tangents, but isn't that kind of the thought in how ghosts are made in the Harry Potter world is that you have to be too afraid to move on to become a ghost? Theirs is a little more depressing than that. Yeah. As we have learned, my fear of oblivion, I am too afraid to move on. Aw, you're gonna be a ghost forever. Are you gonna be a ghost too? Or like, what's your plan? Do you want to hang out? I don't know. I haven't made any plan yet. I'm cool with hanging out. I actually like Ray. I, I don't know if he's honestly really a medium, but I like him as a character. I think later on when you find out that he never told the family about Alice's sessions is weird. Okay, maybe I take back that he was creepy because thinking about it, it does kind of seem like he was in a really awkward position because his job is helping these people move on. So he's not going to want to tell the mom like, hey, I was talking to your daughter and then her being preoccupied with like what Alice said and trying to find out things about her because she has that quote earlier that is basically Alice kept secrets and she kept secrets about keeping secrets. So it seems like she'd be more focused on finding out more about her daughter than actually moving on and letting Ray do his job. One of the big things he says later on is it was all about confidentiality, especially since he records the session and he keeps a copy for himself and he 
keeps copy for the person. Man, everyone's just recording Alice. Pretty much. The brother, the creepy neighbors, herself. We do get a first taste of Ray's sessions where he like hypnotizes you and then has you walk through your house like in your mind. And he does it with June. And June walks through the house to Alice's room. But they do cut it off. You don't actually see how it how her session ends. You see how her session ends later. I assumed too that it was the same session and that's why they cut it off and don't show you the end because they're waiting for that surprise at the end. And then the family decides I think it's time that we have a seance. I think it was really just the mom, right, that wanted this and the dad's super reluctant. He's like, the medium guy's fine but I don't really want him here for dinner. The seance is being recorded. You get to watch the footage and you see a figure standing in the hallway and it's so creepy. Essentially they have a seance so you see that and then you see other images around the house because Ray decided to investigate so he was setting up cameras everywhere to see if he could catch images and they did. They caught a bunch of images around the house of Alice. So everyone's very convinced clearly Alice is a ghost. She's come back from the grave. They don't know why. Then you get the reveal of the Withers video. There was a couple that were at the dam the same day that Bob Smeets Smeets. Bob's me. Captured his image of Alice. And what they capture is Maddie in Alice's clothing at the lake. And that's when you get the reveal that Maddie has been doctoring all of the images of Alice that we've seen. <sighs> what did I write down about this? What a reveal. Because at this point, I was convinced. I was like, she's clearly a ghost. They're being haunted by this ghost. It almost feels like this is not even going to end up a horror movie and this is just them resolving it. Like, there were so many times in this film where I'm like, oh, okay, are we resolving this right now? But it just keeps twisting. And I do remember being very frustrated with the brother the first time I watched it. Like, I know people all grieve in their own way, but it just seemed like such a bizarre thing to do. A weird way to cope with grief. But in the same way, I mean, I think they had already introduced that this family, other than the father who is dealing with his grief in a normal way, which is a lot of people will just work extra to ignore the feelings. But like the mom is going into houses and the brother is like doctoring photos. (laughs) This family has problems. How do you grieve? What's your go-to when something traumatic happens. I don't know, I cry a bunch. Mine's always just lay down. I just sleep for like weeks. It's either I'm gonna like lay down and cry or like I need to do something with my hands like bake or like I just need something. Alright, you don't doctor photos of your dead relatives? I'm gonna try Photoshop next time and see if that works. Yeah, so it's revealed that Maddie has been creating all of these images and the reason he says he did it, or at least that he started to do it, was because his mom wasn't dealing with her grief clearly since she was just walking into strangers houses (laughs) and so he was like i need them to exhume her body so that she can definitively know that alice is not here anymore a weird way to go about it the mom she pretty much just says like i understand his reasoning i don't know if i really buy it you can tell that she's like grief denying uh we'll come back to this scene later but he even explains how like he doctored the photo about how he used like reflections and videos like this kid's pretty smart because it all looks pretty real. It's so funny to me that right before this, they're like, yeah, Maddie got super into photography and the like local photographer guy is like, yeah, he was a great asset. I hired him right away. It makes so much sense once they reveal that he was doing this. I'm like, wow, they really taught him how to fake a ghost. Yeah. Ooh, that's a great title for something. I love that. 
they go through all the ways that Maddie has faked not only pictures, but videos. You have the interview with the mom and she straight up says, because before this, Juna has mentioned that she's not close to her mom or like they just don't get along. And this is the first time that June mentions she was like, yeah, Alice and I, we had a lot of problems. It was like, we didn't really see each other very well. Like, and then she says this really sad line. It's just a line full of regret, which is, I hope that Alice did know how much I loved her. I guess I held something back a little as she grew older. That would be the saddest thing to think she might not know. Which means that she never really said it to Alice and now she's looking back and grieving. And like, that's so sad. That's what I think every time I get off the phone with somebody, I'm like, always like, I love you. Like, just in case anything happens. That's so sad. I just tell all of my friends that I love them because everyone says you're not supposed to and that platonic relationships aren't as important. I'm like, no, I love my friends. I need them to know. I don't tell my family I love them very often. I'm trying to. Like, you can hear Ryan and I in the Jennifer's Body episode at the end I'm like I love you and he's real meek and it's like I love you too like oh we're trying so hard to be normal the more you do it the more it'll just become second nature we've gotten to a point now where you think okay we're wrapping up all the secrets are being revealed but then there are cameras that get left in the house I don't remember where they said they were going but essentially no one was going to be home but they just left the cameras running and that is when they catch the real ghost image of Alice with her like swollen watery face so once this happened I just kept thinking god Matt really fucked it up for everybody because now anytime something like this happens no one is going to believe this family and be like oh they've come out and said that Matthew doctored those photos, but now they're trying it again? These weirdos need to let it go. Now they can't really tell other people, they just have to keep it to themselves, because when they look at the images, they realize they're real because Maddie wasn't there, so he couldn't access them. This real image of Alice as a ghost inspires June to go back and look through the footage to see, is there something I missed? Maybe Maddie caught something while he was doing his shenanigans. And he did catch something. What did he catch? Or who did he he catch those fucking perverts is who we caught brett tui the twoies the twoies maddie had fake alice walking across the hallway scene but when they went back and looked if you look over to the right fucking creeping creeping in the background is a man and they're like huh that's our neighbor and then a whole new thing starts oh this is what i was talking about in the beginning this weird red herring that the neighbor sex tape is the reason that alice's ghost is stuck here good job to this film writer. They do such a good job of like keeping you hooked throughout this movie. They do a very good job of establishing that Alice is there for a reason and she's trying to lead her family. And it makes sense for them to be like, oh, this girl was 15, 16 when this was happening. This is obviously statutory rape. She wants us to find these tapes so that we can punish the neighbor. I don't know if I were a ghost and I had a sex tape, I would not want my mom to find it. (laughs) Probably not. June is able to find Alice's safe, which I guess a 17 year old has a safe, but it's like a little, it's a little like hand safe. She opens it and in it, she finds a tape. And when they play the tape, it is of Alice having sex with the neighbors who are parents themselves. And she was babysitting for them. What a nightmare. And this is when you hear the line. And I think it's her friend who says it. Alice kept secrets. She kept the fact she kept secrets a secret. 
which ch does change the way that you see somebody, I suppose, when you realise that, that they did hide things from you a bit. Oh, okay. I don't know why I thought it was the mom who said that. All the lines get mixed up. The only reason I was able to keep it in order was because I literally wrote that and then I wrote friend, her blonde friend. Well, and there are a lot of characters that get introduced up top and they only have the the little ledger of their names like once right at the beginning. The grandparents, they've got a bunch of Alice's friends, the boyfriend, these like family friends, maybe, or like an aunt and uncle or something. There's a lot of people. And I think the idea behind the friend having this line is Maybe she would have opened up to her parents, but she would, of course, open up to her best friend, right? And it turns out, no, like, her friend had no idea she had all these secrets. Listen, if you have a sex tape, you don't have to tell me. I just want to let you know that <laughs> up front. We, we don't- I'm going to write you a letter in case I die so that I'm just going to straight up be like, here are all my secrets I refused to tell you when I was living, but I don't want to haunt this small apartment forever, so here are the, the truths. Okay, don't put it in a safe because I won't know how to open it. I think they try to find the neighbors, but at this point, the neighbors have fled. The police are just like, well, I don't know, couldn't find them. This policewoman, where she's like, yeah, they just vanished into thin air. Like, you are not a good detective. What do you mean? The timing of their moving, too, would seem so suspicious. We're like, oh, our babysitter died? Time to flee. I don't know what the age of consent in Australia is. I'm gonna look it up. They do make a good point of letting you know that Alice is old enough that even if they did find the neighbors, nothing would probably happen because it was consensual. It is 16. Yeah, and she was 17, I think. Uh, she was 16 when she died. Circling back to what I said earlier about people needing to play their own age, the only complaint that I can think of in this movie, she looks like she is in her 20s. I kept thinking, oh, she must be like at least 21. She looks like I 30. <laughs> I have no problem with the actress herself, but I wish they would have gotten someone who looked age appropriate. And I think it would have added to that feeling of dread. Because yeah, 16, you are a literal child. It would be much sadder putting that in perspective, seeing an actual 16 year old. Yeah, exactly. So this is a whole bunch of reveals happening. We get the Maddie reveal, we get the neighbor reveal, the reveal that Ray had seen Alice before. Oh, June reads Alice's journal and it's so sad. Oh, is this a part where she's like talking about how she thinks she's going to die or like she knows she's dying or something? Yeah. Oh, is this the part where she's like, I woke up in the middle of the night and I felt like I was drugged and I went to go talk to my parents? Yeah, I think so. It makes me think that that dream that her mom had where she's standing at the end of the bed soaking wet. Yeah. It's another one of those like time overlaps that we keep seeing. It definitely goes into the theme that this mother and daughter just can't connect. Even in their timelines, they just keep missing each other. They just can't get in sync. Now it's time to go to Lake Mongo. I think it's either her boyfriend or her friend, Alice's friend, is like, hey, I don't know if this is important for you to have, but Alice was acting really weird one of these nights when we went to Lake Mongo for like this school camp trip. They see her burying something on this phone um, footage. And so they decide, let's go to Lake Mongo because we think we know where she was when she buried this. And we're going to see if we can find those items she buried. Okay, this was the biggest twist in the movie for me because I did not realize we had not seen her drowning like Mungo. It's a whole <laughs> other place. What? I know. It's like, where have we been the whole time? I must have just missed the thing at the beginning when they probably said the name of the reservoir or whatever place that she drowned in. So my mind was like, well, this movie is called Lake Mungo. So that must have been Lake Mungo. It makes sense. 
These photos and videos, this is 2005, I think, that this happens in, right? Yeah. It's so low res that when they show this video of Alice burying something, she's off in the corner. I was like, how the fuck have they figured out that that's what she's doing? I can barely see anything. She's just a bunch of little pixels. I know that that's not the point, but it made me laugh. I'm like, how did they figure out where she was at Lake Mungo and what she was doing? There's no way. June said that she rewatched the video a bunch until she could figure it out because they couldn't figure out what's happening at first which would make sense why none of her friends realized what she was doing so when they looked back on the footage they weren't like oh that's weird that our friend was burying something they caught her at the tail end of it when she was like pretty much finished all right i guess that makes sense stop being logical i think that's something you can kind of let go like it's fine i'll go ahead and give them the benefit of the doubt that you know mom is so used to seeing her daughter bury things in the yard she just knows what it looks like is she a golden retriever or a girl Both. Why can't you be both? I guess that's true. You you could be a girl dog. I'm so sorry. She's not, though. I do like that they get to Lake Mungo and decide, there's no way we can look for this in the in the light of day. Let's wait till night. From what I looked up about Lake Mungo itself, it does seem to be like a... Historical, like a national landmark? Yeah, yeah, like a historical landmark. So there are probably like park rangers that are like, hey, it's the middle of the night, get out of here. So I assume that's why. Yeah, that makes sense. So they go and they find it. I'm very impressed. Find her items and they say it was almost like, it's almost like she had her own little like funeral for herself. <laughs> like she buried all of her most important items, but the most important thing is the phone. And why is that important? Because we get the only jump scare of the movie because of it. Yeah, I wrote that down too. It was so weird thinking of that because I knew that I had seen a post on Twitter about this movie. Someone was talking about it and saying, hey, there's really only one scary part part in the movie it's not really scary overall and someone responded was like that's not true at all this whole movie is terrifying so I kept waiting for the one scare oh it's definitely this yeah it's definitely this that they were talking about and it is the way that it's filmed the implication of what's on the video it's all terrifying I couldn't figure out is she going towards it or is it coming towards her I couldn't figure it out it looked like she was going towards it did you see the scene the very very end credit scene so there's the credits rolling where they show you all of the pictures and they zoom in on the actual ghost but there's after the like scroll credits there's another picture <gasps> there was another scene it's just another I'm picture look it up right yeah now. i well, i can send it to you i have it saved yeah yeah if you want to send it to me i thought there's no way there's going to be something after it because i did the couple things during the credits so i was like this is a marvel movie <laughs> apparently it is Anyways, well, you look this up. So essentially what happens is you see Alice's phone footage. To me, it looked like she was walking in the dark by herself. And then you see a figure kind of get closer and closer and closer. You get close enough to realize that it is, it is her, but her dead, bloated, watery self. And then it quickly zooms in. It was the only jump scare of the whole movie and it got me. Yeah, the way it's filmed is so interesting because this whole thing, her dad is talking over it. They start the video and you can see like the image coming at her they pause it and have him I think talk a little more and when they restart it it looks like it is like lunging at her and it is really creepy so this is just they just had this image at the end and that was it what this image looks like to me I think this is the perspective of 
the, like, corpse Alice. She is looking at, this is real Alice, or alive Alice. We're seeing real Alice right now? From the corpse's perspective, and it just freaks me out. Yeah, either that or even, um, because I think the idea she went close to this figure because she probably thought that it was, like, another of her, like, friends. Mm -hmm. And then, could you imagine, yeah, that's kind of, even, like, if that's what she saw, like, CRISPR, and was like, oh, I have a friend up there, I'm gonna go towards my friend. And then when you get up, you realize it's your dead self. That's just so scary. I assume metaphor is what they're saying is she is literally facing her own mortality, and that's just so frightening. It's very, very, very scary. And especially because the image that we see earlier is that bloated corpse after she's been dragged out of this lake, and that's exactly what she sees too, so that's implying that she knows how she's going to die as well. If you ever look into, like, the mythology behind doppelgangers... I know, like, now we view them as, like, oh, it's funny, I saw your doppelganger. But if you actually see, like, your real doppelganger, it is pretty much a death omen. It's a very bad thing. It's a bad luck omen in mythology. So I love that they use that. My doppelganger is Paul Dano, and I've already seen him in all those movies. (laughs) I'm gonna get beat to death with a bowling pin, I guess. Oh my god. I look just like him. Yeah, this scene is so, it's so unsettling. It's so creepy. I think the idea of you running into something like that in the dark by yourself is terrifying. I watched this movie in the middle of the day and I was still terrified of this. And usually a movie, like a scary movie, if I watch it at night, it will creep me out so much more. But I don't think it would have mattered the time of day for this one. This one was just overall really fucking scary. You get a lot of really good quotes. This movie just has a, a lot of quotes that I really love. I feel like something bad is going to happen to me. Or I feel like something bad has happened. It hasn't reached me yet, but it's on its way. And it's getting closer. And I don't feel ready. I feel like I can't do anything. I'm convinced that Alice knew she was going to die. I'm convinced of that. I think Ellie saw a ghost, but she wasn't to know that it was her own. I believe she uh, recorded the future coming to get her. Even with face with this image, death is something that is so hard for us to think. Like, as much as we all know what's going to happen, like, it's a hard thing to contextualize, to actually believe it's going to happen to you. Okay, that's fair. It's like we're all in denial. Especially when you're young. That's why all the young kids were getting COVID, because they all think they're never going to die. Well... I don't know. I feel like, oh god, kids like coming of age during COVID times, this must be fucking terrible because they're forced to face that reality every single day. You're right, though, that we're all just in denial of death, but then you've got people who, like, have terminal illness and have been dying for years that are like, I have to convince their relatives. Like, no, I am going to die. You need to help get stuff in order for me. Yeah, that's a really good way to put it. But Allie's the one in denial and dying, so that's very strange. Yeah, it's got to be a strange juxtaposition to know it's going to happen, but then part of you is like, how how could it happen? Why would it happen? I'm so young. Yeah, ugh. Poor girl. I was supposed to live forever. Like the kids on fame. Oh. So you get to this point in the movie where it really does seem like everything has resolved. The family talks about how they think that this is what Alice really wanted to show them. A combination of both like the sex tape stuff that she wouldn't tell anybody about and 
like her possibly being manipulated and then the fact that like she knew her death was coming so they feel like they have discovered the things that Alice stayed around to try to tell them about they do have like one last visit with Ray he comes there was a point in the movie when they found out that he had had a session with Alice that they're like fuck that guy never gonna talk to him again but they're like nah we forgave him we're all friends again I don't think we talked about it but there's this weird part where Ray takes Maddie on a road trip Oh, oh, I think that's what happens, which is why they know that he couldn't have doctored the footage. I think that's what was going on. Oh, yeah, yeah, He, like, was not even in town. Okay, that makes more sense. Yeah, that just seemed really weird. Like, you guys are too close to your grief counselor slash psychic medium. That's very strange. But then the last part of the movie is the family decides they're moving somewhere else. This house, it's just full of too much sadness. We're going to move somewhere else. So they leave. And then the last thing you get is you get the rest of June's session with Ray juxtaposed with Alice's. The way they overlap, it's beautiful. It's sad. It's poetic. I'm going through the front door and walking down the hall towards Alice's room. Someone's there. I think someone's coming down the hall. Door's open. Do you know who it is? Do you want to go inside? Yeah. Okay. What do you see? My mum. What's she saying? She's not saying anything. I don't think she knows I'm there. Alice isn't here. She's not here. What's happening, Alice? Are you talking to her? Is she talking to you? Oh, she's, she's going now. She's leaving the room. She's gone. This scene was really, really well done. You think, are they going to see each other? And the mom goes in. She's looking around. Alice goes, I see my mom. She's right there. And then the mom goes, Alice isn't here. And she leaves. I'm wondering if this could also be another thing where maybe if she is sensing her mom in the future, maybe that's also another big indicator that clearly something has happened because she probably heard her mom go, Alice isn't here. Alice is gone. And she leaves. Oh, shit. That's so sad. Right? How are you making this sad movie so much sadder? (laughs) It's all about death. I assumed it was just a literal, like, I don't know my daughter. I don't see her. And they were just pointing that out again. I think it's both. I think it's both the whole, like, her seeing another element of maybe her impending doom, but also, like, yeah, the mom just never really seeing her daughter. Or her seeing, like, these people, but they're not seeing her, implying that even if they wanted to, these people cannot save me from this impending doom. That's a good read. Or just another, oh, this time-lapse thing, we can't, like, get on the same page with each other because we just keep misunderstanding each other and have this weird relationship. I don't know. I think there are a lot of different things that you could interpret this scene as which is why I like it so much yeah and so you think the movie is over but it's not and you get the last big reveal of the movie which is during like the credits they go back to images that they've showed earlier in the movie so I forgot to mention it but there is a photo of June Russell and Matthew standing together in front of their house presumably before they moved like right before they moved they were taking one last picture they showed that picture and they zoomed 
the right and you see the ghostly figure of Alice standing in the window that you didn't see before. It's there. They didn't add it in because if you rewatch it, you'll see it. They show the backyard picture. There's a second ghostly figure in it that you didn't see because they drew your focus so much to the fake one. The hallway, the video, there's her. Her like standing above the parents' bed. Yeah, it's basically every photo that they have showed you. There is a second image that they draw attention away from. Real ghost Alice. So she's been there the whole time. And just like the family, we just never (sighs) saw her. Oh my god. Where are the assholes? That last image... We'll draw into the theory. Hold on about the theory. Okay, yes. I didn't know if that's what you were going into, but Because when we talk about the theory, I would like... Don't say anything yet. Okay, we can save that. The image of them standing outside of the house with her ghost peering out. Also, so fucking sad. Because now, it's the day they're moving. They've decided, oh, well, we wrapped it all up. The ghost definitely is free. She's gone. We're just gonna move. But now Alice's poor ghost is trapped in this house and her family's not even there. They can't figure out why she's still here. This whole movie is so sad. Yeah, and I don't think it was until my second rewatch that I realized that picture was probably from, like, right as they were moving. I just assumed it was just a random family picture together after Alice had passed. There's, like, a narration over top of it talking about how they're moving. Oh, okay. Okay, so, this theory. We definitely have the same theory. I'm very excited to talk about it. Hold on. Yes. I would like to count down from three and both say what we think the theory is. So three, two, one, then say it. Okay, three, two, one. The The brother brother killed her. Okay, he definitely did it. It was so hard to keep it in. The only other theory is that maybe the neighbors did it, but that doesn't track. That doesn't make any sense. I almost don't even think this is a theory. I think he did it. I think that is supposed to be part of the movie. I think it's heavily implied. Yeah, and you don't realize it until you watch it a second time. An entire page of my notes re-watching the beginning of this movie is devoted to why I think the brother did it. There's so many clues. And this just gives me another reason to think that this movie itself is such a good, almost filmmaking lesson in how to divert attention and give your work a rewatch value. Yeah. That there's no possible way I would have thought this the first time. They're distracting me with so many other things. And you're trying to figure out if the ghost is even real or not. But then going back, within the first five minutes, I was like, wait a second, this doesn't add up. Something fishy was going on with the brother, but I couldn't place what it was, and now I definitely see it. It's true true for me when they talked about the bruises. Like, there's other hints leading up to that, but as soon as they brought up, I rewatched it, and they started talking about the bruises again. Watching this a second time, this doesn't make any sense. And then I was like, holy fucking shit. I was like, why did nobody look into this? Well, it sounds like they did, but they did such a good job, like, diverting attention from this to even question if it was defense wounds. Do you want to just do a general explanation of the theory of how the brother did it or why the brother did it? I don't know. I think it's implied. I tried not to look up too much about this because I didn't want other people's theories to influence me. But it seemed like there was some sort of bizarre fixation that the brother had on his sister. I don't know if that is sexual or not. Hopefully not. But I don't know. It just seemed like a weird fixation on his sister and then possible jealousy if he found that sex tape that the neighbors had. I think you're definitely right about the hyper focus. I remember on my first watch, 
watch. They're like, oh, you know, Maddie and, and Alice were really close and they show all that footage. It seemed weird to me. I got a weird datey vibe off of it. And I was like, they're siblings, right? It's like that Instagram that's siblings are dating and you have to guess. And it's always siblings and I wish it weren't. I think there is a good chance that maybe he had been sexually abusing his sister and that maybe she was finally getting to a point where she was going to tell her parents. And I almost wonder if it was that night she got up and stood at the end of the bed. Like maybe he saw her doing that and he was like, she's going to tell on me. Well, okay. So this part in particular, that was a scene where she said she thought she was drugged. And I was like, that's really weird. Now it sounds like the brother is also drugging her. Yeah, no, exactly. And I know that clearly people who suffer abuse deal with it differently. But I know that people who have undergone sexual abuse at a young age, it's actually pretty common that because they've experienced so it's so young, they become hypersexualized. So that would almost make sense why she had sex with the neighbors. No, I agree. That makes total sense. And I think the sexual abuse stuff adds up to me because it seems like Alice's character in general is just this big metaphor for depression. And it seemed like they're trying to parallel that with her being dead to the world, basically, as this ghost. And I that's kind of how you feel when you have depression. Well, she's closed off. Even her friends don't really know anything about Even her boyfriend doesn't really know anything about her life. Now that you bring that up, though, it doesn't sound like drowning someone sounds like it would be loud. If they were fighting back and he's like, he's got a ton of bruises. You see them at some point. If he is stronger than her, he could literally just push her under the water and hold her there. He would still get the defensive bruises because she'd probably be punching him from under the water. But who knows how much noise that would make. And it completely tracks because it does not make sense that, because if you rewatch the beginning, he talks about how like they were swimming. He decided to come back. He got out of the lake and then a minute later he asked his dad where Alice was. He knows where Alice was. She was in the lake. I was actually just about to bring this scene up. This is when I decided that that has to be what happened because he immediately or the dad immediately contradicts what Matt has just said. He gets out because he was cold. He leaves her in there and then the dad immediately was like, yeah, he got out and was like, where's Alice? Like, obviously he knows because he just said he left her in the water, which sounds like an admission of guilt to me. I left my sister out there in the water to fucking die. And another thing that really got me was, and you mentioned it because you were talking about how like the family clearly like has regret. Like if only I could have done something. I think the fact that there is never a clip of Maddie going, I feel responsible for not staying out there with my sister. I feel like anybody in that situation would feel guilty that if they had stayed there, they could have saved their person from drowning. And the fact that he never claims regret is a big indicator of his guilt to me. I had to reword that as I was saying it because I realized I we know, were... I figured you yeah. were. <laughs> and I was like, shit, wait, we're not talking about this until the end. I've got to redirect this somehow. There's so many clues when you go back and watch it again. Well, and another thing that gets me that he obviously had this weird fixation with his sister other than walking around the woods in her clothes. That's fucking weird. That's a Norman Bates thing right there. It's what serial killers do. They like to keep trophies. They like to reenact their murder scenes. They like to go back. So it makes sense he's dressed in his sister's clothes. He's retracing her steps. Yeah, he went back as Alice to the dam. That's so fucking weird. 
So when he is talking about why he fabricated the photos, that just to me sounded like he knew he was going to get caught. Yep. So he had to come up with some other reason to be doing this other than I'm obsessed with my sister. So I was recreating her and like putting her back into my reality. This dude seems like a weirdo. Yeah, because it's not until the Smeets guy um, shows that image that the other fake images start popping up because he's like, I have to cover my tracks. A lot of weird things happen. Like, they never explain that Alice's door slamming or, like, like shaking. I'm almost wondering if that was actually Alice trying to be like, Hey, guys, I need you to figure out what's going on. Or if it was maybe the neighbors trying to break in. I want to assume that a lot of it was Alice, especially with that photo at the end of her in the window. Yeah, she's, like, looking on in regret. Well, it seems like she's still there because they haven't figured it out. Yeah. And she's staring out into the yard at the brother. She's like, he's right there. It's right in front of your face. You can't see it, which mirrors us as the audience. It, all of those images of Alice were right in front of our face, but we couldn't see it. We didn't see it. This movie is so good. The theory also makes sense why when I had finished watching the film, I still felt unsettled. And I couldn't figure out why because I was like, well, they, they figured it out. Why do I still feel so uneasy? And it's because there was something else right in front of our eyes that Alice was trying to show us and we weren't seeing it. I had that same feeling as you when I finished the movie and I assumed it was just even if they do figure it out there's this chance that I'm just stuck here and that's just how the afterlife works and that's very sad so that's kind of what I assumed the first time but yeah looking back I think it is like they are so close to figuring it out but now they're completely leaving and moving on but Alice can't move on and that is so sad my question is do you think think that Maddie wanted his parents to actually exhume her body. Part of me wonders if Alice was doing all this stuff. I wonder if, if Matthew was seeing her ghost for real and he was like, am I losing my mind? Oh, if he had this guilt and maybe that's why he was fabricating the photos because it was like, maybe other people have been seeing this or I can convince them. Or he was like, did she not actually die? And he's like, I need to convince my parents that she might be alive so they exhume the body. Or is it back to this weird fix? because he is a young kid yeah, and he's like he doesn't know how it really works so maybe he's like oh if they exhume the body I'll get to like see it again or something oh, I don't geez, know yeah it's it's all bad whatever his reasoning was there's no way it was good the fact that there could have been something weird going on between between him and his sister all being one-sided the mom might have sensed there was something but couldn't put her finger on it because after they like the producer essentially asks her like why do you think he did all the doctoring and she's like well he said it's because he wanted me to exhume her body so I could like grieve properly she's like I don't know what it is but that doesn't feel like that was the actual right answer. I think it is something like creepy, like he was just fixated like a serial killer on her. That just reminds me of Egin. He's digging up women who were like the same age as his mom once they died. It just seems like he's a serial killer who does serial killer things. Yeah, and my god, that line when they talk about the house is clean now, I was like, I don't know, it doesn't it doesn't feel very clean. <laughs> like, it still feel weird. It might just be another thing of denial for the family. 
that they're just tired of having to dwell on it. And even though they might think, well, we haven't figured it out, like, it's time to move on. Doesn't matter. It's been this allotted amount of time. We figured out all we could. Let's get out of here. Well, I think, like, the parents for sure were appeased because they feel like they solved a mystery. But I think it's purposely made so that you as a viewer go, I don't know why, but I still feel very unsettled. How much of Twin Peaks did you ever watch? None. Oh, okay. Maybe like five minutes. I watched the... I've seen clips. I've watched the whole first season twice. I cannot get into it, but I don't know if any of our listeners watch it. I think the name and specifically how they find her body is a nod to that show because the name who they find at the beginning of the series is named Laura Palmer and they find her corpse in a oh. lake. So I just thought that was an interesting nod to that show. Interesting. Yeah, I, I think it's definitely done on purpose. It has to be. That was the only th- other thing that I thought was interesting about this movie that I haven't already shouted about. So besides the um surprise ghost image at the very, very end of the movie, which I didn't even know was there, that's such a good image. It's so creepy and it's so much, it's so strange. I think that's what makes it scarier because I'm so used to seeing all these low-res photos and then there's this picture which seems almost otherworldly yeah compared to what we've been shown up until that very very last image that makes sense if what you're seeing is from the the dead version of Alice and she's reliving that moment but from the other side right like it's almost not even a photo it's just this perspective that we're getting (gasps) and she's trying to warn herself that's so scary you're like running up to your because you're like, please, you can change it this time. I know you can. But I'm a corpse, so I'm just spooking everybody. That was just a nice little, like, here's a little more for you. But I feel like the last image of the film that the director knows everyone is going to see, it happens during ghost reveals at the end. So when they're showing you where all the ghosts really were in the pictures, the last thing it ends on is a video. And there are no ghosts. It is Alice sitting on her wicker chair, pillow on her lap, Matthew has the camera and the movie ends. This is another reason to think Matthew definitely did it because they are ending on this specific thing for a reason. Everything that they have done in this film has been intentional. There's no way that this was not. There is something you guys are not seeing. Please go back and rewatch my movie. <laughs> I want to be mad at this movie for like giving me homework and be like, no, you don't get it on the first watch. You gotta go back to get it. But it's so good that I don't mind. And the first time I saw it, I thought, well, that's like a throwaway. Maybe they just wanted us to see Alice alive. But I think it's, yeah, a very big indication that there is much more to the relationship between Alice and Maddie. Maddie's got a lot of voyeuristic tendencies. It's almost like him using the camera is like helping him disassociate. Oh, he's like that poor Blair Witch girl, only I sympathize with her a lot more because she's not a serial killer. I guess he's not either, but... He's like the character from um, Peeping Tom. I'll have to watch that i i will i'll get to it eventually yeah that was lake mungo i think we've talked talked enough about how much we love this movie so go watch this movie if you have not watched it i know we spoiled the whole thing but go watch it anyway so riley what is your general rating one to five listen i try to be not critical but you know i I try to be fair with my ratings i looked for something that 
I could be critical about, but it's so good. It's five out of five. Yeah, my rating's a 10 out of 10. I think this is a perfect movie. It's so good. I think the only other perfect rating that I have given that I can recall is Dr. Sleep, and I would put it on par with same yeah. same kind of thing. It's really good. I cannot yeah, I agree. nitpick anything with this. I had so much enjoyment out of watching it both times. Like, we could get done recording, and I could go into the living room and just watch the third time. Now let's get to what I've been waiting for. I'm so excited to hear what your horror struck rating for this is going to be. What do you think it is? I'm going to guess a mm, well, you said it mm, six. Wow. Okay. It is a six. Oh, hot dog. I, yeah. <laughs> so as we all know, I factor in that like lingering fear for all of these movies. This movie stuck with me for a couple days. It was in the back of my head for a while. It was really freaky. Yeah, it's still with me. I feel like I'm going to turn around and see like disembodied Alice behind me. (laughs) Six is the highest we've gotten. I hate that image of her dead bloated corpse. That was so scary. And when you see it moving, that jump scare, it's, oh. But that's not even the scariest part of the movie. It's just that impending doom. It's that lingering fear of my own mortality. Six is the highest I have gotten. And the only other six horror struck that I have gotten to is The Exorcist, which is regarded as one of the scariest movies ever made. Do you want to guess what mine's going to (sighs) be? Like a four? I don't know. You're so hard to gauge. You, you're close. You just, you're all over the place. A five? A three? I know. This one? A ten. I'd probably give this one a five. A five? <gasps> Usually horror movies, like, even if they scare me in the moment, post that, that Shudder movie that came out that was like an hour long. Like, it really got my heart pumping. And like, it was really scary in the moment, but it didn't stick with me. Like, this one, like, I don't know what it was. Like, such a sense of dread. And even though, like, she didn't, she never attacked anybody. Not really. She never heard anybody. I don't, I don't know. It's so scary. Yeah, it's not even that fear of like, oh, a monster is coming to get me. The monster is death itself and me having to face my own mortality. It's so scary. I cannot praise this movie any higher than I've already done. Should we tell everyone what we're watching next week? Yeah, we are doing a listener request next week. What are we watching? Okay, so one of our OG listeners, Julia, we are finally getting around to her request. She would like us to watch the 2019 film Swallow. I'm so excited. I don't know if this is technically a horror movie, but I've heard it's very upsetting to watch. I'm excited. I am too. I'm very excited to watch this. I've heard it's really upsetting. I don't know a ton about it, except it's about like a woman with pica who is in an abusive marriage maybe i think i could be wrong yeah i don't really know anything about this movie except i saw like some people talking about it she's got one of those weird like i eat couch cushion things right she just likes to eat things yeah she's got pica she like sees thumbtacks and shit and she's like i have a weird craving that i need to swallow that oh is that what it's called i just you said pica and my brain just went that's a location no that's a disease <laughs> I guess it could be both. There is both. I don't my know. My brain, like, just completely forgot that you said has, and I was like, is from. Let's go back to my whole geography rant and realize that I don't know where things are, so there's no way I could have said a location. Oh, it's My Strange Addiction. That's the name of the show, where they, like, they're like, I eat, like, fabric softener. Oh, yay. Oh. All right, horror fans. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of Horrorstruck. If you want to hear more from us, you can head on over to Twitter and Instagram where we are at HorrorStruckPod. 
Or you can check us out on Facebook at Horrorstruck Podcast. If you have any movie recommendations, you can go ahead and tweet those at us and give it your very own Horrorstruck rating. Until next time, horror fans, remember, stay spooky. Bye! Bye. Welcome to Horror Strike.